welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, it is me, Maggie. I am incredibly excited to be chatting uh, with an author today. I am speaking with romance author Pernilla Hughes, all about the paperback release of 10 Years, her newest romance book. Pernilla, how are you doing? Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited to really delve into your book and to to chat more with you. But to sort of kick us off, would you mind giving us a synopsis of 10 years and telling us a little bit about yourself as an author? Sure. So 10 years is a funny, slow burn, haters to lovers romance, uh, which uh, spans 10 years, funnily enough, uh, <laughs> and roams from London to Snowdonia, from Brighton to Cannes, as Charlie and Becca try to complete a bucket list for a loved one, in spite of the fact that they hate each other. Myself, I'm a, um, I write for Harper um, Collins, one of their own prints called One More Chapter. I'm a mum of four. Uh, I started writing when the kids were very little and while they're at school, just to stay a bit sane, really. And um, I'm, a, uh, I'm, I'm born to Danish parents, but here in the UK, hence the funny name. Uh, and that's me, really. I just write funny, like, you know, uh, kissing books, really. <laughs> the best kinds of books, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I, do, I just personally think that laughter and love and laughter kind of go hand in hand. And so those are the kind of books that I want to read and want to write as well. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is your all-time favorite rom-com, whether it be like book, TV show, movie? What is one that's a classic for you? See, I kind of, when I was a teenager, I was watching a lot of the screwball comedies. So I think anything with Catherine Hepburn in it and also Doris Day and Rock Hudson, they were just so funny and lovely. And really, they shaped my taste, I think, and probably were yeah. what um, I took a film and literature degree. So I read read books and read watched films for three years, which was amazing. The dream. Um, and I think it was those films, those Hollywood films there that so I don't actually have a key favorite one, but then I also do have um obviously I totally revere when Harry met Sally. Um most people do. Uh but actually I was trying to think about this and I was thinking what film if I just you know when you're watching television you come into the middle of a film which films would I then immediately, without question, carry on watching? And yeah. for me, and this is a controversial one, I know it is for some, I really like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I just <laughs> I just love that film. I think it yeah. is a rom-com underneath. I know there's action, uh, but it is a rom-com. And also for the same kind of reasons, I also like um, the Thomas Crown Affair with Piers Brosnan and um, sure, Ray Russo. Yeah. Again, it's romance with humour. And yes, there's some action and other things going on. But again, the core for me is the the uh, the bickering and the laughter and the uh, the humour in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm noticing um, big enemies to lovers vibes. And yes, um... <laughs> <laughs> it's so <laughs> obvious, aren't I? <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I I love a romance with sort of a little something extra, a little action. Um, some comedy is always good too. Yeah, because I think there you can really kind of delve into seeing their flawed sides uh, because they're going to be placed in uncomfortable positions. And if it was always just sweet and like right the way through, you wouldn't get to see 
those um those facets that where yeah. we need to see that to see to to relate uh to them in that way yeah oh absolutely so do you think that there is a romantic film be it romantic comedy romantic action comedy that best matches the overall vibe of 10 years what would be if someone read 10 years and they were looking for a movie that captured the same feeling what would you recommend for them well so things that people have said and I think it's really what I've because my book was my my head was just in my book and I was trying to very mm-hmm. carefully not to um draw too much on other existing things although there are obviously influences uh, but people have said that because of the structure of the book it's sort of like one day because we have it, it you know it's coming back um once a year to be uh to, so the structure of 10 years is that uh the ali dies and her fiance charlie and uh her best friend becca who don't get on she has asked them to complete her bucket list and it means that they need to come together to on several occasions to do these tasks and they realize that they can't really stand to be in each other's company so maybe once a year would do it and so then they come back and we see a task a year and the structure of the book is that with each year I switch the POV and then uh, I the first chapter of that year will be kind of an update of where they're at. And then the second chapter is the task. And so yeah. that's how we move through the years. And so from that point of view, there's that element uh, that one day had, you know, they mm-hmm. was Swithin's Day, I think it was in one day, they would keep coming back and we would see how they progressed. Uh, and in the same light, also, um, P.S. I love you, because it's, again, there's a task yeah. element to it. So maybe a bit of a, a mashup of, of yeah. those two. Absolutely. So sort of playing off that, 10 years is a love story. It is very funny. I was giggling, but it's also this story really about about grief and coming to terms with with your grief and your sadness over losing a loved one. And it did it felt very akin to something like One Day or PS I Love You, where you know you're crying and you're laughing or about time, which is one of my favorite uh romance films um and i'm just i'm really really amazed and i was really delighted at how well the book balanced two very big emotions while remaining true to both of them and what was it like to to tackle and balance both parts of the book so it really was a case of finding um light and shade because you know i knew coming into this book that you know it's about it's about a dead girl but we don't see her we don't do flashbacks but she Ali is as much a character in it as well in the way that they remember her or she's remembered by her mother or or, um, their best friends and so it was very much about the way I come at it is I knew which sort of which scenes I wanted in there and then I'd come at them and think well that's a funny scene but then where is the depth in that one and equally Mm -hmm. this one is one of the harder scenes right find the funny and and it really was flipping backwards and forwards in that way because it is about finding the funny in it when you're writing about grief and the different ways that people come at grief which was a bit of an exploration for me and also I wrote it during lockdown and it wasn't a very funny time (laughs) and so (laughs) finding levity things was quite a challenge but you know sometimes I just had to let myself go with it which you know did take me there's a scene where um one of the characters is ill like physically ill and um 
I sent that one and I really went for it. It was just like, just fill your boots, do whatever you want. And I sent that to my amazing editor and she came back and she said, the scene is hilarious, but it is too gross for romance. So I had to rewrite that one and rein it in quite a lot, but that's what editors are for. They're just to say, you know, just because I really wrote it. I think it was just like a murder scene with poo and, and I, it was just too much. So back, back we go, back we go, reverse, reverse. Yeah. Although, you know, I think if they had fallen in love after that, that's a love that'll last for life, right? That's what I think. I think so. I've been tested and it was fine. Yeah. yeah. Tried and true. Yes, absolutely. There are little tests in life that we can work with and say, oh yeah, tick there, can manage that. Yeah, absolutely. So 10 years is, I believe, your third romance novel. What is your favorite part about beginning a new story and and starting a new relationship? Oh, so it's hard. For me, I'm not one of those people who has lots and lots of ideas and then they're trying to find which one to get to. I take a while to get there. And then I think the point where I would think, right, I've got enough uh, component parts to start with is exciting. And then obviously the first 10,000 words are really exciting. And then I remember that actually I've got 90,000 words to go. And then I remember the slog that is like, oh, no. And then I kind of just drop. And I think it's kind of like childbirth that after you've had your baby, you instantly start forgetting that it hurt. And otherwise you wouldn't have them anymore. Yeah, I think it's the same kind of nature's trick, really. Yeah. So for 10 years, what was was sort of the catch or the hook? What was the thing that inspired you to write this particular story? Right. So this one came out of uh, actually a lunch with my editors. We were, uh, we had, I had just handed, uh, finished my second book, which is called Probably the Best Kiss in the World. And part of that plot had been um, discussing the fact that uh, all love comes at a price. And uh, that thought was really sitting with me still. It was a bit of a hangover from the book. And so she was, um, my editor was talking about, she would like something, she would like to book, which would would span some years and people who keep coming back for something and then we talked about that and um and so when I went away and we'd, we'd worked out kind of uh a kind of a gist where these two people some reason would keep coming back to honor a dead friend and we it wasn't quite there why that was and then I was thinking well okay what there needs to be an engine for that it can't just be that they come back and have dinner because yeah. you know boring um so <laughs> me, I, then I was just thinking well okay well what if it's a bucket list it means I can bring in different tasks that yeah. would then um that could then bring in the humor because again it was like where is the funny in this um and uh I've now forgotten your question I'm sorry that's okay <laughs> that was okay um what, oh, it was the inspiration, was wasn't the it? Inspiration, yes. yeah. So the, here it was very much a case of, so then with this kind of idea of what is the, the cost of love, um, and actually these guys paid up front. And I think I, I was listening to your episode with uh, Emily Henry, and she was saying that, you know, yeah. she was writing in response to a previous book, and there's this kind yeah. of a, a chain backwards and forwards. And I can see the same kind of thing with my books. And in this book, it was kind of in a response to that last book to say, the the earlier people they had to pay the price later well these guys they pay right at the beginning and then we see where we go from there so that 
kind of really brought that on in that way. Yeah, it, it, that must just be so natural, right? When you are when you're writing a story, you become is it like too cheesy to say inspired by yourself <laughs> and and no. find no. something to to go off of. I see it, you know, Emily Henry spoke on it, you've spoken on it. I see it even in I feel like Greta Gerwig's her three big films are so clearly inspired by one another from Lady Bird to Little Women to Barbie and and I think it it's just such a natural, natural, like procession in. Oh, in I think so. I mean, I can clearly see with my three books that, well, they're basically therapy for myself. Actually, <laughs> I'm just saving the money by doing it myself. My first book is about a woman who she. Uh, it's called. Um, it was originally called Sweatpants at Tiffany's, but it's now. <laughs> it's now called punch drunk love uh and a woman inherits a boxing gym like an old retro style boxing gym and and she gets told by lots of people you can't do this and it was about her learning to decide that she was she decides what she's capable of well I was told that I was I, uh, I wanted to be a journalist when I was a teen and uh, I was told my English wasn't good enough and so I should just park that and, and it just slayed me uh, and so I didn't write for another 10 years yeah. and so I think this book was like writing when I actually did sit down and write the book I thought no no I decide and so my character was deciding what she was capable of equally the second book I had had four babies within five years. It was a very busy time. And the only way I really got through it was being very controlling. And so my character, Jen, she is very controlling, but she has to learn to let go. And again, it's me. It's clearly me. And (laughs) I don't realize this later. And then with this book, yeah, I'm I'm 50. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to be facing grief in these next decades. And I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. Well, this book, I really got to look at different ways, you know, Charlie, well, he runs off to South America and uh, he, and, and then he does that, that man thing of moving on really quickly. And whereas yeah. Becca, she's lost her best friend and, you know, she, she feels widowed properly. And so there was that element of as well. And then you got Ali's mother, Valerie, well, she obviously grieves in a completely different way. And so it was really my chance to ex- explore and examine my concerns and worries maybe about grief. And so, yeah, absolutely. I'm just saving money by writing these books so I don't have to talk to a therapist. That's genius. And you're making money. So it's kind of a win-win. <laughs> not a lot. There's not a lot of money in publishing. <laughs> oh my well um of course 10 years is literally 10 years spent between these two people sort of discovering their feelings for one another and you mentioned that that sort of came from your editor um and this lunch speaking on writing a book that lasts many many years yeah and I'm I'm curious what was it about you know what went into building both grief and love that spans for 10 years did you really have to map out where exactly they would be at any time yeah I did make a grid I'm I'm actually a pantser when it comes to writing I I like I would love to be a planner that would be amazing but and, and more efficient and but I don't think I am but with this I needed to clearly map out uh which you know by this year by this year by this year what kind of stage is their relationship in you know going to the full spectrum and then kind of really working so that it I really want it to be plausible and seem believable because 
you know, for them to go from the po- point where they can barely tolerate each other to a point where they're in love. And that's not a spoiler that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a romance. It's a happy ever after. So, uh, but then, you know, that can't be too fast. And I know there are obviously books where they have the big fight and then they're in each other's faces. And that's, that's a different kind of book. This one was very much about how can two people change yeah. enough to be a whole different couple from what they were at the beginning. And yeah. so it, it was always going to be a slow burn and it was always, but my aim was that it would be really quite believable and you understood why they had been as they were or how they are as they now, as they are now, uh, because plausibility is really important to me. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I think it completely makes sense. I, I, I loved seeing them turn from enemies to almost friends to realizing that they, that they love each other. I yeah, it was really beautiful. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course. No, it, it was, it was, um, I mean, they're both very flawed people. I mean, yeah. Charlie can't make a decision to save his life. And Rebecca <laughs> is very spiky. And that was, that was very intentional, um, that they would be messy. They're, you know, they're young people. They're still learning. Um, Becca's come from quite a rough start. And, and they've both had, you know, complicated starts in, in their own way and quite opposing ways and that was deliberate as well and and so for them I, I really wanted them to be kind of yeah messy messy yeah and, and and so and but hopefully then real as well yeah but I think that's what made it so relatable I I loved how messy they were and I loved I love I really I loved Becca I loved how spiky she was I loved how hurt she was by the world and how she channeled that. It just felt very, it felt so grounded in her character and also in, you know, the grief she must be feeling and the frustration over her career. And yeah, I, I loved her. That's really great. I mean, Becca is a Marmite character. I mean, if you look at the reviews, you'll see there are some people just can't deal with her at all, just find her unlikable. Uh, But I kind of take the view that likability doesn't shouldn't really factor really because you're yeah. reading about character and if the character is real and relatable in some way and maybe people aren't looking as much into themselves to see you know they do actually understand it because I you know I get reviews saying I really didn't like her at the at the beginning but at the end she was and it's like well that's a character arc and also these are little points that most they're not they're not uh, too outlandish. They're things that people do encounter and actually maybe you're not seeing really those things and maybe even in yourself and so it was really deliberate to make her kind of uh but again that was always going to be the case that some people don't warm to her and you know that's that's just the case of yeah some characters some books isn't it but i i do i also think it's so i think she's such an important character to have as a lead in a romance i feel like the becca character is someone you would often see as like the best friend yeah, the romance. And I think maybe she's not like likable, quote unquote, or she doesn't seem really nice when you meet her, but she has all of these really strong qualities. I love how loyal she is. And she's so determined and hardworking that you just can't help but root for her. Oh, well, that's great to hear. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I hadn't really properly thought about it in that way that often you'd have the the the, the, the nice lead and then that kind of slightly uh, acerbic uh, best friend yeah. who would be snarky. Well, yeah, Becca does that for herself, really, and because her nice best, the nice one has died. So, um, you know, from that point of view, you're right. You're right that it's kind of she kind of takes that on herself. Um, 
yeah, it's it, it's I you know it's just she does it because Ali's not there to do it, and yeah. um, there's a line where she says, you know, I, I miss her because she gave a crap about me, and if no one else does, then it's really hard to have you know care about yourself and that was also key for me that mm-hmm. uh, that Becca had experienced that and it was because that touchstone that she had and her rock had disappeared um yeah 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 no definitely do you so we've talked a lot about Becca and I apologize for that little rabbit hole but I just no god no so don't good. apologize yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the rabbit hole <laughs> do you have a character that you felt like you related to the most in this book specifically, or is there a character that you had the most fun getting to write and develop? So I'd say probably Becca has elements of me. Certainly we don't like walking up mountains. So, you know, they're, they're all, they're all the bad <laughs> flaws uh, are mine. Uh, I do this. I have, I did this exercise once, which I do recommend to all aspiring writers is uh, lock yourself in a room with a pad and a pen and a glass of wine. And then you write down all of your personal flaws, all of them. And you have to be merciless. And then when you've finished, you have a list of flaws that you can absolutely plunder. And then you drink the wine. And that's kind of my top tip. And it just means that you can write about these flaws in a way that because it's like writing what you know. And and so really, you know, Becca has uh, those kind of moments. But then equally, you know, Ali, who is a character almost I had to write in kind of a in a shadow form because she's not there. She has no patience uh, and you know, she can be bossy. Uh, not that we know that, you know, until later, uh, just just kind of takes over in many ways. So uh, I think there's elements like that. But then there were characters that I always liked my, my side characters. So in this book, uh, Valerie, the mother, she's mm. a minx and I love her. Uh, but also Ollie, uh, um, who's mm. Charlie's best friend who is just this kind of uh, I, I just I think I describe him as a baby Brian blessed you know and and also yeah. from um four weddings he's just that boisterous character who will who is delightful but will always put his foot in it and uh you know he's just uh, that him I could just see so clearly and um those are the characters you know sometimes they just but they're side characters so sometimes almost you can play with them a little more because you're not quite as tied to them. You don't have to delve as quite as deep into them. Yeah. Uh, and no, I do. I do enjoy the side characters as well. Absolutely. They, they are, they were so fun. I, I loved Valerie. I, I really loved her arc. I loved how much she was rooting for Becca and Charlie. And yeah, I loved, I loved the role she played oh, in the good. story. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I just thought, you know, if you, if, if someone goes, who dies, it's not just the friends, you know, the family needed to be in there. And also, you know, absolutely. she needed, she needed her space. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's delve in to Becca and Charlie. What was your favorite part of their relationship and what surprised you the most while writing them? Right. So the thing about Becca and Charlie is that for all of their bickering, and I do love the bickering, they just really, and because they no holds barred because they don't like each other anyway. So they can say whatever they feel and they don't have to worry about hurting the other's feelings and they both give as they, you know, good as they get. So they could just go for it was uh, really pleasing. And, uh, but for all of that, I tried to make really quite sure that every time they met, there was laughter of some kind because I just feel that laughter is such a 
uh, a leveler in in some way. I mean, my husband and I, for example, on paper, we did not match at all, but we have always laughed about the same things. And so I think if you laugh together as a couple, uh, that really is a real kind of a, a touchstone. And so for them, even though they didn't like each other, they still found the same things funny. And uh, so that kind of carries through. Uh, but also they do a little you know when you have family members and you're just not getting on but at the same time you will inadvertently do kind things for each other without even really think about them uh because you certainly want to be don't want to be seen as doing something nice for someone but you just do that thing and there's those elements of that as well that kind of carry through because you know if if they really really hate each other and right the way through and and there was no kindness or give in them at all the reader i imagine would just say well why are these two remotely together it makes no sense and Mm -hmm. whereas we can see why they are as they are we still have to believe they are as they are as a couple and so for me those two underlying things were really important to nurture right the way through in terms of what surprised me there is a scene toward uh, there is a scene which uh, I try not to be do spoilers here. It's it's a bit of a grenade. Things really kick off, and mm-hmm. there they are. Much as I love their bickering, they truly become really vicious towards each other. Yeah, and that that wasn't me. That was them. They were just, and I was just the conduit with my fingers on the keyboard, and they are vicious. Uh, and uh, that properly surprised me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think I know the scene you're talking about, and. I just, I mean, it was heartbreaking to hear them speak that way to one another. But also there is something about hating someone and then loving someone and knowing exactly how to hurt them. Which buttons to press. Yeah. And also that kind of we hurt the ones we love the most and and still kind of feeling that things are unconditional when actually sometimes they're not unconditional. Yeah. And when you really fly off the handle and you know you know you're saying the wrong things but it just keeps coming and you're just out of control and that happens uh and I think it was it was one of those moments really for them oh yeah, yeah. I I would say so I love <laughs> uh, they they cannot help themselves I remember uh the one the one that really sticks out for me is when they were I think it's the second task that they were doing when they were on the gin tea. On the gin bus, yes. And they are like getting along and he's being really appreciative of her. And that lasted for about two seconds and then they were fighting. And I'm like, you too, I swear to God. <laughs> but it was like they were trying and you could see yeah. <laughs> that they what this could be, but no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> not yet <laughs> <laughs> it was too early <laughs> yes and I think again it was like kind of there's a bit of a surprise in that which has its role as well but also yeah they they are trying you do you see a little glimpse of possibility but then not for now and he then he he goes a bit rogue and tries to do the task by himself and it fails because mm-hmm. they have to do it as a team yeah. uh and so uh, that that the idea I did the gin bus was just fun to write. Yeah, it really was. I yeah. believe that, and, yeah. and that does exist. That gin bus. If anybody's looking for a tour around London with cake and gin, um, you're gonna have to send me that because okay, I'll send you links. Yeah, please do. It sounds incredible. <laughs> so ten years, 
clearly enemies to lovers, but what are your other favorite tropes to write about? Right. So um, definitely uh, enemies to lovers or haters to lovers, uh, which I think because I've had some reviews say this is not enemies to lovers. This is haters to lovers. So, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Not te- no, I don't know. I'm not telling you off. I'm just passing on the wisdom <laughs> I have now gained. Uh, so, yes. And I love that because they can bicker and it just it is I'm very dialogue orientated. I hear the voices in my head, not in a mad way, but, you know, just that's how I write. And then it starts comes out on the paper. So there's instant conflict there. So that is is good for writing stories yeah. because we want the conflict. For me, I am an absolute sucker for a second chance romance. And ideally with as much time between A and B as possible, because, you know, the angst and the why can't they be together and all these things. Ah, oh, I love that. Um, and then also, I really like um, One Bed, uh, which I think is such a cute one. But you know, in, in, in 10 years, we have not one bed, but one tent instead. Yep. And I don't know if you've read um, Something Wilder, Christina Loren. I love that one. Yeah. Down to one sleeping bag. And that I just thought was amazing. So good. Christina Lauren loves to push it as far as they can. Yeah. Yeah. And I was reading it. I went, oh, top points. One sleeping bag. I'm just amazing. (laughs) Oh, my. Something Wilder must have been a real top tier romance for you because it is romance, comedy and action. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So it's it's my kind of my cocktail, my favorite cocktail there of of, of my element. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, no, I think those would be my three top tropes. And and, and yeah, that just nailed it. I love that one. I love it. I love it so much. Second Chance is always such an interesting one for me because I love it, but sometimes it makes me so sad. Like when you read their like previous romance, like, oh God. Yes, you are breaking. Fate was against them and they couldn't be together now. And now we just have to hope it can come back. And yeah, they're older and they're wiser. It's going to be better. You've just got to love that. Yeah. (laughs) So another trope in 10 years is the slow burn. Yeah. What do you think it is about a slow burn romance? that appeals to so many readers? You see, I'm a bit torn on this one because I'm writing from the UK and when often our books are then reviewed by, say, US readers, we get, this is too slow. <laughs> it's like, okay, you prefer the insta-love. I see that now. And so, so, but for me, my I, I need things laid out. I need people to, um, I mean, for in 10 years, Ali dies in the prologue and I needed in a very short space of time for people to understand her impact without yeah. the book becoming about her so really it felt like a bit of a gamble having book, a, a rom-com start with a death and a funeral but you know Absolutely. I just hope people bear with but um and so I think from that point of view maybe some people felt well where's the romance of this it doesn't come to much later but that is the nature of this story because it's a growth story and why do people I think because I think because maybe it's more real you know they they have experienced uh people who've known each other for a long time in some guys and then they kind of get together I mean insta love I know it happens I'm sure it happens but that is the rarer one I do believe slow burn is the more normal one and therefore I think people think yes I relate to that more it seems more real you can there's room also for 
uh, reasons why they can't be together or an mm-hmm. angst and yearning. And although 10 years doesn't have as much y- angst and yearning because of just the weighting of the stories, then in other slow burns, you know, when the timing is just wrong and the planets don't align, you've got that kind of space and uh, time for misery and heartbreak and just yeah. proper yearning. Uh, so, no, I think I think people do like Snowbird because they they believe it because they've seen it. Uh, but I think people also, uh, you know, conversely, people also like wow, right up front, we're doing this and uh, yeah. insta love. And you know, I think maybe in the future, I you know, in that same kind of reacting against the last book, that would be something that I would look into bringing the the attraction right up the front and sure. see yeah. what happens there. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think there's something so great about pining I yeah is that, is that your thing the pining element of the slogan? I love it I I I love I love it when a relationship could take so long for them to get together it's just like so gratifying knowing that they were both like waiting for each other they were both miscommunicating and then so are you wanting them to just not spot that they're totally compatible or do you like it that they know but there's reasons why they can't be together I love both. Okay. I would say I probably prefer like there's reasons that they can't be together. Yep. And they're just, they're pining. They're pining away. Yes. I love some pride and prejudice yearning from afar. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. well with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I find sometimes the ones where their friends are all saying you like each other and they're saying, no, we don't. It's like, Everyone can see that you like each other. How can you not see this? Exactly. <laughs> and it comes to a point where I'm, I, I, my sympathy halts because it's like I'm shaking you. Your friends are shaking you. Come on. <laughs> I completely agree. I think I do think I I love a slow burn. I can even handle insta love. The one that sometimes the hardest for me is friends to lovers because I'm like, come on, you guys, just yeah. be together or not. Yes, and then that has to be done really carefully as well. And I find yeah. that also um, often with fake dating as well, that, you know, there's, there's that also has to be handled really carefully. But you're right with friends to lovers is that it needs to be done uh, really smartly as well. Yeah. There actually needs to be that proper reason why these friends would would not have considered each other because people do. And and that's where, like, the, the you need to be a really good writer to be able to really pull that off. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree because eventually, if you guys are best friends hanging out all of the time, you're going to get you drunk never, at some point. Yes, at some point, something will have happened or someone would have said something. I don't believe you would be sitting around for 15 years. Not no, saying, no, no, I've never considered him and I'm sure he's never considered me. I, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. No, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that maybe friends to lovers is. It can happen because, like, uh, again, it's the planets aligning that, you know, somebody's single at the same time as the other person's single, whereas generally it could be either way around. So and then one decides the other it was just a crush and then you just kind of move on. And if your timings are just not always right. And, I, and those I can absolutely buy into. Uh, but the ones where they just bimble along happily and just not looking at the other one, I just know I'm not sure. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> so pernilla a little game for you we've played it a few times on the podcast i really like it so i'm dating an english guy and 
the American version is, of course, fuck, Mary kill, which is just like really intense. Yes. You know? Yes. I love this English version that he's taught me, which is shag, Mary avoid. Oh, I think it's nice. Too, aren't we? Yeah. I just thought it was really delightful. No yeah. killing, just avoiding. Yes. I will go out of my way to not meet with you. Exactly. I'm like we're all living in Bridgerton still. <laughs> So, in the world of Pernilla Hughes, yeah, what is your shag Mary avoid? So my avoid, I'm allowed these out of order, aren't I? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my avoid is very easy. That's from my first book. There's a chap called Gavin. Uh, that book starts with uh tiff being dumped on their 10th anniversary i clearly have a thing about 10s but uh she thinks he's going to propose he actually ends it and uh he is an absolute ass and i've had friends people write and say gavin is just the worst and if i ever met him i'd want to punch him in the face he was such a delight to write he's just obnoxious in every way he quote he does kind of he's that guy who does quotes at you and it's like what does that even mean and uh he's just awful Uh, and um funnily when I sent that book to agents for the first time I'd sent out to about six agents five of which were women and one guy and uh guy asked for a uh, full uh, manuscript which was really exciting then he came back and he, he rejected it very kind. He said, but, you know, this Gavin character, really don't believe in him because, you know, they're not, they're, nobody's like that. And why would she even be with him? And I'm thinking, hmm, strange. I have friends married to a Gavin. And so you're just the guy and you can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> you're so, probably friends with the Gavin. Exactly. Exactly. So, um he he was delightful to write, but my God, would I avoid him at all costs? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so the shag same book also uh but that's uh a guy called mikey and uh he is the that is also a second chance uh romance and he's a boxer he's an international boxer who's on the verge of um, retirement and uh what i like about him in the shag stakes is that when he and tiff get together she suddenly has this real self-conscious moment in the throes uh and thinks you know you know what it's been a long time you know he must she, she isn't the 16 year old girl that she he knew back then and you know yeah. is, is she more you know soft cushioned you know she, she just had this moment and he senses it and he just says whoa it's me relax it's me and you know trust me I've got a lot better and than that first time when they were together and he said you know I and I know this and he just is delightful in that moment and so for me I just think you know what I think I like you Mikey I think you'd be a you'd be a great shag yeah really (laughs) and uh Mary well this one I'm kind of torn on this one uh between Charlie uh because you know I think Charlie by the end of, of, of 10 years is a sound guy who he knows that he isn't the best at making decisions, but he learns to make decisions. And he's like really taken on um, what he, his flaws are, I think. Uh, and, but then there's also in my second book, a guy called Jakob, um, who is a Dane and 
he's quite lush actually uh, yeah yeah and I can't really say much more about him because uh twist uh so yeah just this uh he's got a lot going for him I think and so that would be my my other marry option of the two yeah it's nice to have options though yeah yeah I'm an author. I can make options. <laughs> exactly. You can just write anyone you want. Anyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Pernilla, thank you so much. This has been such a blast. I've loved getting to chat with you. Uh, before we let you go, mm-hmm. would you mind telling us your favorite independent bookshop, if you have one, where people can purchase your books? Oh, sure. So I, my nearest proper independent bookshop is called Chorlewood Bookshop. Uh, and it's in the next village to me, and it's a delightful little shop uh, run by Cheryl. But they also have a, uh, a a lit festival where you know proper writers come and do talks, and 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 so it's a very uh, it's a small bookshop, but it, it's it's a mighty mighty little bookshop. Yes, so that would be my suggestion there. That's amazing. Well, you guys, I cannot recommend Ten Years enough. So if you're looking to purchase Ten Years or any of other or Pernilla's other books, I will link that bookshop in the episode description. Um, Pernilla, do you have a social media account or a website where people would be able to follow your writing journey? Sure. So I have a website, which is www.pernillahughes.com. And I'm on Instagram more than anywhere else. I am technically on, well, Twitter, but who knows if that even exists. Yeah. And uh, TikTok, but I'm an old person, so I do very little there. Uh <laughs> So, and I am on Facebook as well. I'm just not very good at it. So Instagram, I would probably say is my, my first port of call. Yes. Perfect. Well, I will link your website and your Instagram as well. And then Pranilla, final question before we let you go. One last cheeky little question. Are you working on anything new that we can look forward to in the coming years? Oh, I'm very tentatively, I'm on hiatus at the moment because I've had, uh, children in exams for the last two years my brain is just not where it should be at the moment. so I've just thought I'm just going to have a little break after the the therapy of uh, 10 years and um but no I'm beginning to have ideas uh, but Wonderful. nothing I can talk about yet because they're so fragile you know when it, it's like if you're viewing a house and you just can't talk about it because you're worried yeah. you're going to jinx it and it feels like that that if I say things out loud it will just vanish That is completely fair. Keep it to yourself and we look forward to seeing it on the shelves soon. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. It has been so nice. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye. Well, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. And if you are interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, please follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We will see you all next week.